Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Now, we're going to dig into some things today, and see. And, and here's the deal that uh, I've had a, a lot of people ask a question. You know, well, uh, it's, it's not so much, you know, in the last couple of months, but really in the very beginning of COVID, I had people ask a question, you know, is, is this the end? And, uh, you know, I, I really need to address that. And, uh, you know, I, I have had people send me video clips of a prophecy that they, that they read or, or that they uh, that they heard or watched on online, and you know we need to address these things because it is important that we not be misinformed and uh, you know it's it 's important that we know this is why i 've been emphasizing so strongly lately that we read our Bibles that we study our Bibles you know it, it's um, it's not enough to just have a Bible. You know, it's not enough to just have one on your coffee table. You need to read it. Praise God. It's not enough to come to church and hear me read from it. Uh, you need to read your Bible. And you need to study your Bible. Praise God. And so we're going to look. If we were students of the Word of God it would actually settle a lot of your fears. It would, it would take care of a whole lot of that. And so today, we're going to look into these things. We're going to go to God's Word and see what God's Word says. Praise God. Praise God. And so let's see what, you know, as, as I was going over some passages of Scripture and beginning to look at some things uh, in preparation for what I was going to share with you today, I began to see that, uh, that people a lot of times are focusing on the wrong part of this. And so let's look here. Jesus told us some things. Who, who believes Jesus knows what he's talking about? Okay. Jesus is the authority. He has the right to say it, and what he says is right. Praise God. And so let's see what he said, not what so-and-so that posted a YouTube video says. Let's see what Jesus said. And he said this. He said it would be 
when, when it's the time of the end or the, the end times, he said it would be like the days of Noah and it would be like the days of Lot. Now, how are you going to know what that means unless you know what it was like in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot? You know, many people read, okay, it's like in the days of Noah. And Well, the only thing I know about Noah is that there was a flood. And the only thing I know about Lot is, uh, you know, that uh, fire and brimstone. That's all I know about those, you know. And if that's all we know, man, I'm telling you what, it's scary. But there's more to know about the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, how many of you have actually read the 24th chapter of, uh, of Matthew, and I don't mean like today or this week, but at some point in your life, you have read the 24th chapter of Matthew. Praise God. Praise God. You know, that makes me really sad that about six of you raised your hands. Uh, you know, that, that is, that, that's really a sad report that only six of you have read Matthew 24. But I hope that I'm stirring some things, and I want you to go read Matthew 24 this afternoon. Praise God. Here he says, but as, in verse, uh, beginning with verse 37, he says, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man or so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 38, For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, let's, let's pick out what he said here. Let's, let's dissect this. He said, all right, it's going to be like the days of Noah, and then he points out some very specific things about the days of Noah. Notice he said that this, in the days before the flood, in the days before, uh, he said they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the days that Noah entered the ark. So essentially what he is saying is they were going about their daily routine. Okay, now in Luke chapter 17, we find another Luke's account of the same thing that Jesus said. Verse 26 of the 17th chapter of Luke, as it was in the days of Noah, so will also, uh, will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank. 
They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So, in other words, don't be looking for these things to cease. You know, life is going to go on. Now, he goes on and he says, likewise, uh, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them. Even so will it be in the days of the Son when the Son of Man is revealed. So essentially he's told us three three times here. I mean in Matthew twenty four, and then he gave us two examples in Luke seventeen that he said it was going to be like. And in every one of those three instances, they were continuing to do life like they had been doing life. So, the question I had to ask, somebody says, well, is this the end? Is this it? Well, see, everybody is looking for the disaster, and the disaster, well, that's the sign of the end. No, he says the sign of the end is everybody's going to be doing what they normally do. Now, let's look at some other scriptures because we want to establish everything in the mouth of two or three witnesses. That's what scripture instructs us to do. And so here in in, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 3, he says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So, He said, up until now, everything has continued just as it was. So, uh, in, in all of these cases, in the case of Noah, things continued as they were until Noah entered the ark. In the case of Lot, things continued as they were until Lot went out of Sodom. And then Peter says, from the time of our fathers until now, all things continue as they were. All right? So if you're looking at an interruption as as being an indication that this is the end, See, what we're experiencing right now is an interruption. But the interruption, Jesus doesn't anywhere, nor does Peter here, give us an interruption 
as a sign. He doesn't give us that as an indication that this is the end. In fact, he says, until the end, things will continue as they were. We're experiencing an interruption right now. That's why I am so confident that COVID will come to an end. Okay? Now, Jesus said they were eating, drinking, marrying, buying, selling, planting, building. These things will continue until the judgment comes. But in all of the aforementioned cases, they continued. Let's focus on that. They continued. Now, either they will continue or the Bible's wrong. Which do you go with? Okay. Come on. Which, which do you go with? The, that the Bible's wrong or that things are going to continue? All right. There we go. Now, people will go ahead and be doing what they're going to do. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's look at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. Most of us are familiar with the fourth, uh, First Thessalonians chapter 4, where it talks about, you know, uh, it talks about, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others who have no hope. But we, uh, and it talks about the catching up. All right, we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so would we ever be with the Lord. Now, let's look at the fifth chapter. Remember, five comes after four, right? Do I, do I have my math right? Okay, five comes after four. All right, so five comes after four, then that means the fifth chapter comes right after the fourth chapter. And what we just talked about in the fourth chapter is right at the end of the chapter. So chapter 5, verse 1, continues on the same theme. There, there's my, my point on this whole deal. All right. So chapter 5, verse number 1, he's continuing with the previous thought. And he says this, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now, once again, let's look at what we've been saying. All things continue as they were, and people will continue to do what they do in their day-to-day lives. And now he says... The coming uh, uh, is like a thief in the night. Yeah. All right? So the, if, if, has anybody ever had someone burglarize your home? All right. It wasn't something you were anticipating. It wasn't something you were planning for. You didn't do something different with anticipation of a burglar burglarizing your home. 
You know, you did the things that you normally did, which was probably why your home got burglarized, because they figured out what you normally do. They figured out your routine. You know, uh, I've had my home burglarized one time. That was many years ago. And uh, it was while I was at church. Someone would not have to try very hard to know that on Sunday evening I go to church. You know, back, back in those days we had Sunday evening service. And so they knew that Sunday evening I went to church. All they had to do was wait till I left. And, you know, if, if they've been watching for any amount of time, they know I do, do that every week. And so if it's like a thief in the night, routine is part of what happens with a burglary, with a thief in the night. Now, here he says, concerning the, uh, let's see, concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now notice verse 3. This is real important right here. I want you to listen to this verse number 3 and compare it to what's going on today. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. And notice what he said, when they cry, peace and and safety. Now, let me read this in, in uh, first of all, the word peace from the Greek is the word irene, and this word means, uh, by implication, it means prosperity, peace, quietness, and rest. S- peace, quiet, and rest. And prosperity. That's what he's saying. All right, does that fit the description of what's going on right now? All right, let's see what the, the word safety means. The word safety, this word literally means security, certainty, or safety. Is that what's going on right now? All right. Moffat's translation of verse number three says this when all's well and all is safe are on the lips of men. He didn't say all is well and all is safe. He said when people are saying that, when people are saying all is well, all is safe, when is the last time you heard somebody saying all is well, all is safe? You know, I don't know the last time I heard that. People are looking at the interruption and saying the interruption tells us that it's time. But he says, when all are saying, 
is all is well, all is safe, we are prospering, we are doing well, we are at peace. That is when the end comes. So, if you're looking at all of the turmoil, if you're looking at the, the COVID situation, if you're looking for the rioting across our nation, and you're looking at that and you're saying, oh, surely this is a sign, it, you know, surely the end is here. You're looking at the wrong thing as a sign. He said, people will be saying, we are at peace and we are safe. That tells me that we need to be looking for this situation to turn. All right? Because it's not going to be the trouble that is the indication. It's going to be the peace and the safety and the fact that people are feeling safe enough to say we are at peace and we are safe. Not just things begin to turn, but but things begin, people are so secure that they're even talking about how secure they are. Now, let's look at what Barclay said in his translation of that verse. When they are saying, all is well, all is safe, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Just as the labor pains come upon a woman with child, and very certainly they will not escape. But yet I hear nobody talking about how quiet and peaceful and safe things will be. They talk about how much trouble there's going to be. They're reading the wrong part and focusing on the wrong part. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let's, let's go back there again. Let's, let's begin with verse number 13. He says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, you see, I, I'm not a great expert on the end times. Make no claim to be. It's got to be simple for me 
to get it. I guess because I'm simple-minded. But, but, you know, it's got to be simple for me to understand it, okay? But what I've been sharing with you today seems incredibly simple to me. All right? If it seems simple to me, then it's pretty simple. Now, notice this. In all of these instances where Jesus talks about as it was in the days of Noah, what happened? Judgment was coming, but Noah was moved to a place of protection, a place of safety inside the ark. Said so as it was in the days of Lot, what happened in the days of Lot? In the days of Lot, Lot was removed from Sodom and Gomorrah before the fire and brimstone fell. So we have two instances. Then we have this instance that the Apostle Paul talks about. He says that the day will come when the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be what? Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, some people say, well, rapture isn't in the Bible. Yes, it is. I just read it. Rapture means caught up. You know, if you're reading the original language of the Bible, you won't find any English words in there. So rapture is a word in the English language that refers to an event, a catching up. And so rapture is in the Bible. The English word rapture is not in there, but by definition, it is in there. Being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, we just read that in chapter 4. Now let's read chapter 5, verse 1, on the heels of what we just read about being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Chapter 5 Verse 1, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. When is what we just talked about in chapter 4? When is that going to happen? Or, Or how is it going to happen as a thief in the night? When everybody is saying, we are safe, we've locked our doors, we've set our alarm system, we make sure the windows are all shut, and we are safe and secure in our house, and we're going to lay down, and we're going to go to sleep. Praise God. He says, when they're crying, peace and safety and security, then as a thief in the night, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse number 3 is where he says, when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. The day Noah entered the ark, it began to rain. That day the fountains of the deep were broken up and the earth began to flood with water. And Noah in the ark, where was he? Lifted up. He was above it. Praise God. Praise God. Lot, he was out of the city before the fire and brimstone began to fall. So if you're terrified, if you're afraid of what's coming on the earth, first of all, it's not going to come because things, see, here's the mentality that so many Christians have had. They've had a, a escape mentality. You know, and a lot of Christians have this, this mindset that things are going to get so bad until we just can't stand it anymore. And then when things are in such terrible condition, then Jesus will come and rescue us out of the middle of it. No. In these cases, he comes and he removes us. Why does he remove us? He removes us so the judgment can come. Because the judgment cannot fall on the earth until we are in a place of safety. That's why we are caught up together to meet the Lord in the air is because judgment will come. Peter said there's scoffers that are going to come and they're going to say, where is this judgment you, you've been talking about? Where, you know, we, we've been hearing about the judgment of the Lord. You know, when is this all going to happen? Where is this judgment? And they begin to say, well, you know, hey, Look, everything's great right now. We're safe. We're prospering. We're at peace. We've got it better than we've ever had it. Things are great. And you're saying judgment's coming. They're scoffing. He's saying, but I'm going to remove those that are mine, and then the judgment is coming. Now, Second Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. He says, Beloved, I now write this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of, remember, uh, by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the first that scoffers will come in the last days. 
walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the days of our, our fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they will willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are preserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, verse number eight. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. All right, so if he tells us one thing we shouldn't forget, let's all commit this to memory, all right? I don't mean you've got to memorize word for word so you can quote the scripture, but I mean commit, remember this, remember this. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering. Now commit this to memory. He is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. How many Christians have you heard that sounded like God was wanting to destroy people? Like, like you know, we're, we're, take, we're, we're forgetting the long-suffering of the Lord. When he says, don't forget this one thing, he says, you know, we, we forget the word long-suffering there toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God doesn't operate on our timetables. Verse 10, he goes on. He says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. He's saying it's going to come just like he said it was going to come. But he's saying there's some things you need to remember that relate to this. Praise God. Verse 11, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner, here's what we ought to get out of this. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct 
and godliness. What manner of persons ought you to be? You see, many times we hear preaching on the end times and it's designed to scare people into behaving right. He's not saying that. He's saying, you're not going to be here. If you are a believer, you're not going to be here. You're going to be removed. But, he said, what kind of person should you be? And, And here's the deal. We sit in our churches talking about Jesus coming soon, and we're so excited about escaping and getting out of this place that we forget that most of the world will not escape. And we become tone deaf to the cries of the lost. We become blind to the plight of the lost. We forget that he hasn't come yet because he's long-suffering. He hasn't come yet because he wants all them in. We think God just set a time that he's going that, that to send Jesus back to get us and, you know, that, that he set this time and, and uh, we're just counting the days, marking off the calendar and, you know, we don't know what the day is, but God does. So God's just checking off the calendar, you know, three more months, two weeks, and six days. All right, Jesus, three more months two weeks and five days. Three more months, two weeks, and four days. All right, we're count, God's counting down the time. He's marking off the calendar like a kid marking off the days till Christmas. And we, we, we just kind of think that, you know, he's waiting. He is waiting patiently because he wants the rest of the world. And so when we hear teaching on the end times, it shouldn't be for us to get all excited. Oh, Jesus is coming and I'm getting out of here. This place is a mess. Let me out of here. You know, let, let, let's all, we, th- we see it as an escape plan. No, it is not an escape plan. This message should never cause us to think about escape. This message should cause us to think about the lost. Now he says this, nevertheless, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Second Peter chapter three, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, look forward to these things. Be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless and consider that the long suffering, here's that word again, consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. That's what he intends it to be. That's why he's waiting. He's not, he's not waiting because he's checking off the calendar. He's waiting because it, his long suffering means salvation. 
It means we can reach some more. Praise God. And then he says, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. So Peter refers to what Paul wrote. So let's see what Paul wrote. Paul said this in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? What is it that leads people to repentance? The goodness of God. We think, why are things going to be good at the end? Because the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Not disaster, not trouble, not all the calamity that is coming upon the earth. He didn't say that's what leads men to repentance. We, we think that God is, is pouring out judgment to get people to repent. We've totally misunderstood this. He says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. So if the goodness of God leads men to repentance, then why are people going to be crying peace and safety? We're prospering. We're doing well. Why? Because it is a time we need to be geared up and ready to go, praise God, to reach the lost. And we need to say, God has given us a reprieve. God has given us a wind of fresh air coming into the world today. God has given us a a time of peace and safety. Let's take advantage of it because this is not going to last forever. Praise God. Paul also wrote this to Timothy. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering. All right, if it's a pattern, then that means it is for others, right? Not just for me. If it's a pattern, it's for somebody else too. And he said, I have become the pattern. He showed me long suffering. He wants to show you long suffering. Praise God. The goodness of God leads to repentance. So, Second Peter chapter 3, and I've got to wrap this up really quick. Verse 16, as also in his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people will twist for their own destruction. All right? Let's not pervert the gospel of grace. You see, those who tell you that the gospel of grace is all about you can do whatever you want and live any way you want, and there, you know, and because of the gospel of grace, it's a free for all, just do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it, and just live any old way you want to live. And those that preach such things have perverted the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace is not a way for you to get away with 
sin. It's a way for you to get away from sin. It empowers you to get away from sin. He said, this is the manner of people that you ought to be. Don't pervert the gospel of grace. He said, now there are going to be some that are going to do it. He said, untaught and unstable people, they twist it to their own destruction, and they also, they, so they do the rest of the scriptures. So it wouldn't matter if you were preaching law. Some people would still twist it for their own destruction. And he said, if they're going to twist the gospel of grace, they would twist the other scriptures too. Don't worry about it, you know. Don't, don't sweat it because somebody says, oh, well, Pastor Dan, he's one of those grace preachers. He, thinks, he, he says we can do whatever we want to do, so we're just going to go live like heathen. He said, if they do that, they would twist whatever you said. Whatever scriptures you preached, they would twist it. And then he says, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall in your own steadfastness or from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and now. And forevermore. Matthew 24, verse 4, Jesus says this. He, he says, He answered and He said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 6. He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. A lot of focus on wars and rumors of wars. And then he says, see that you are not troubled. See that you are not troubled. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and coronaviruses, that, that fits under pestilences, okay? And earthquakes in various places. All these are what? What's the next word? All these are the, say that real loud, beginning of sorrows. All these are the beginning of sorrows. We've taken what he said was the beginning of sorrows and we said it's the end. He said it's the beginning of sorrows. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another 
Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and become and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom, notice this one, pay very careful attention to this one. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then... The end will come. All the stuff that we're saying is the end, he says, is the beginning. He says when the gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the earth, then it's the end. Praise God. Now, notice what John said. I'm going to close with this verse right here. Revelation chapter 22. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Who said that? Who, whose words are those? Those are Jesus' words. They ought to be in red in your red letter edition Bible. Even so, he says, Jesus says, surely I am coming quickly. Now notice that word quickly. Now notice John's response to Jesus' words. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Now did John say, even so, come quickly Lord Jesus? Nope. He just said, even so, come Lord Jesus. He didn't say quickly. Why did John leave out the word quickly? Because John knew we had a big job to do. John knew there were a lot of people that needed to be reached. We, John did not have an escape plan. He had a job to do. He said, all right, Jesus, I know you're coming, so come. But maybe not quickly. We've got to get this job done. Praise God. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you didn't lead us into a place of fear. You didn't torment our minds. Jesus, you laid it out clearly for us. I want to stir you up this morning to make a fresh commitment to reaching the world. I don't know what your part in that is. Nobody's going to reach the world by themselves. That's a corporate commission to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus. And I don't know what your particular part in that is, but I want to stir you up today to make a fresh commitment to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're watching me today, online, or if you're sitting in this room and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God is long-suffering because He is not willing that you should perish. 
but that you should come to repentance. What does repentance mean? It means you change your mind. Change your mind about what? Change your mind about him. Praise God. He wants you to change your mind about him. He wants you to see him as a good God that wants to save you, not destroy you. So how do you receive this salvation that he's offering? The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Praise God. I want to just lead you in a prayer. Right, to choose Jesus. Pray this with me. Everyone say this together with me. And if you pray this and you mean this, then according to God's word, if you mean what you say, you are saved. If you don't mean it, nothing will happen. But if you mean what you say, you will be saved. You will pass from death to life. You will be a new creature in Christ. You will be baptized into Christ. Praise God. So let's pray this together. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid for my sins and rose again from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus I put my trust in Jesus for my salvation. Jesus, I invite you in. I call you my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.